Our scripture for today is John 5:30 through 47. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. And I know that the test wait, you sent John, you sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that for John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have not you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, he will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do you not think that I will accuse you to the Father? There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe in his writings, how will you believe my words? This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Madison and uh, we typically jump right into a uh, book of the Bible. We're preaching through the book of John. We're in John chapter 5. At the end of chapter 5, we're going to be talking about him feeding the 5,000 next week, which is going to be a spectacular week, I think, for us to be together. Um, I just felt like taking a, a chunk of today even, we will get into John chapter 5, but I want to spend a chunk of today uh, just before we jump in, looking at where we're at like, like, you know, when you kind of see those maps at the mall or whatever, that's like, you are here. You know, it's like, well, well, where are we right now? And 2020, right, will we'll go down in history, probably in our lives, as a unique year. Like, like, you know, it will be a year that's like, yeah, that was different than all the other years around them. And I think one of the things that was unique about it is we walked up to our calendars and just started Xing out stuff. And just, just started Xing out a whole, whole seasons of sports, whole things that, you know, high school graduations and, and a lot of things, like the, the way that things used to be done, a lot of things were Xed out. And 2021, I think, became a year that we started writing things in our calendar again. And we started, we started filling up our calendar. And one of the aspects that I've, I've been praying about and, and thinking about is, you know, we, in 2020, we kind of came over here. But being careful and intentional that the pendulum doesn't swing too far this way in 2021. And to the point that, uh, that our calendars don't become so overloaded that that actually becomes uh, life-sucking to us as well. Uh, because we're maybe trying to do two years worth of things in a calendar year. And so just being like, you know, Lord, how do we do this where it doesn't feel legalistic? How do we do this where it doesn't feel like, like, um, like not life-giving, but in a way that it is life-giving? How do we have spiritual vitality and longevity? Like that's kind of a lot of what I've been just praying about this week is how do we 
walk into a gathering? How do we just live in a way that we feel like we're alive in Christ? We feel like we are alive. And we feel like we're alive in a way that we can be alive for decades, years, decades. And like, how can we have spiritual vitality and how can we have longevity? Because I don't want any of us, I don't want Sacred Mission Church to be like a flash in the pan. Like, hey, remember, remember those years when, when Sacred Mission Church was like really excited? And re- remember that time where, when those people met Jesus, they were really excited, they burned brightly and then burned out. Just, just felt like they, 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 they just were a flash in the pan. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> we don't want that. We, we don't want to be those people. I mean, I'm all in for us to walk together in a healthy way where we are alive spiritually and we're doing it at a pace that, that we could do this thing until we start walking on golden streets together. And so, so living in a way that we can even say to our kids this week, this month, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like, follow my lead in the way I live. Follow my lead in what I say no to and what I say yes to. Follow my lead um, and, and our kids hopefully being used to already making really healthy decisions living for Jesus. So being like, Lord, what does this practically look like? Would you show us what this practically looks like to make us not swing the pendulum too far and to kind of be heading in the same direction at the same pace with the same heart? So I'm suggesting three crucial life rhythms. Three life rhythms. You know, it's like if, if a few of us decide like, hey, let's work out, let's get back into shape. And it's like, great, you know, let's meet at the gym once a month for a day. It'd be like, uh, well, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I think there's going to have to be some rhythm, some, some rhythm to our lives that are going to allow us to meet the goals that we want to meet. And so, so, man, this is not like, this is, this is up for grabs. This is, this is debatable. This is open for communication. Like, if you strongly disagree with me, I would love instead of like us just like, you know, nice to know you, I'd rather we get together and, and talk about this and just see how can we intentionally be a church together where we are growing and we are going at a pace where it is like, this is, this is amazing. This is good. So three crucial life rhythms. The first one is to withdraw daily with Jesus. You might be like, well, that, that's simple. Like that, that simple. It's like, it's not like easier even than getting in your car and going to the gym in one sense, but also way harder in one sense too. Because what we even see with Jesus is that he would be with crowds all day long. A lot of times he'd have thousands of people all clamoring for his attention. And frequently what he would do is he would withdraw from the crowds and withdraw to be with the Father. He, he would withdraw from, from his schedule. He would withdraw from, from other things happening in life. And it's such a cru- crucial rhythm for each of us to withdraw daily to be with Jesus, withdraw daily with Jesus. If you're a student, if you're a farmer, I mean, gosh, in a tractor right now, you've got all sorts of time as you're planting uh, to withdraw 
with Jesus. Like, you really can. Um, if you're even a teacher, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if, if you're a nurse, if, you're, if, you're a, uh, if you work construction, all of us, I think it's so important for all of us to make that daily withdraw time with Jesus. And it, yes, we, we are to commune with him throughout the day as well. But with this as just as clear as clear can be, if we are too busy to daily spend time with Jesus, we're too busy. And I say that to myself. Like, if it's like, gosh, I'm, I'm too busy. Uh, Martin Luther has this great quote that's like, I am so busy that I must spend three hours a day in prayer with Jesus to even have any hope of doing all the things that God's calling me to do in my day, you know? And, um, and so, and, and the interesting thing is if we withdraw, so if I'm like, okay, hey, I, I'm an introvert, I love to withdraw. <laughs> so I will withdraw. Well, if you withdraw and you stay withdrawn, that's called being a monk. <laughs> if you withdraw and you stay withdrawn, you're a monk. And that's, I don't think that's what God's called us to be as a community. I think what he's called us to do is withdraw. And then the second one is because we can withdraw and we can be with him and he can reorient our thoughts, reorient our heart, he can reorient our priorities and all that stuff. Now as we withdraw, we can engage. And like in many ways, like what we're doing here is we withdraw so that we can engage in a crucial and I think a second rhythm for us. And we talk about this a lot. And I know a lot of us have different experiences, different backgrounds with this. But, but the second one is to engage weekly in a community group. Okay? What our groups are designed to be is a primary place for discipleship. The primary way that we carry out the one another's of Scripture the, the early church even had these rhythms. So this isn't like some like, like 21st century, we went to a conference and heard about small groups and decided we should have them or something. It's not that. It's from the beginning, what we saw was that followers of Jesus, as Jesus started building his church, even in the first century, that people would meet weekly in the temple together, gathered, and then throughout the week, they'd meet in each other's homes. So it was the church scattered. We had the church gathered and the church scattered. And those were just rhythms that the early church had with their lives. And, uh, and for here too, a life too busy to have one night, one out of seven, to have one night. If, if your life is too busy to have one night a week for a community group, I would suggest that your life is too busy. And, and this can be hard. I mean, and my wife and I have conversations with this on a weekly basis as we've sought to, to be in a community group every week for the last 15 years or so. Um, is, um, and here's one thing too. We are not going to be the church that shames people into not joining a community group. So we're not going to be the church that's like, oh, I missed community group this week. I can't, I can't let anybody see my face. Like, I'm, I'm going to be shamed by not, like, no, no, no. That's not, that's not the love of Jesus. That's not, that's not the way we, we posture ourselves towards each other. But let's be the church, though, where each of us are purposely being creative. We're purposely orienting our lives. We're having conversations like, hey, this sport popped up. Uh, this is what the schedule is. Hey, a bunch of us are in that. Um, hey, we need to be in a group this, you know, for this season. Uh, 
Tim, are there things that we can do to form a group that would allow all of us to be a group together for this time? And here's how we're going to bring people in and stuff. It's like, yes, let's have those conversations because what it is is saying, hey, I prioritize this. Now let's figure out how to make it happen with the, priori- the priorities that we have. And there will be times when all of us miss group. Like, yes, we will, but let's make this a regular part of our lives. Let's make this a regular part of the rhythms of our lives because it will benefit us more than we know. Just showing up will benefit us more than we know to to get around each other, to sharpen each other, to look to Jesus together. And let me say this, maybe you've been a part of a group and you vowed, I will never do that again. And and I smile at that, but because, I mean, it is, but it's painful and it's real. And I've heard horror stories and, and I've been a part of groups that weren't, weren't great groups to be a part of. But what I would say is please give it a chance. Please stay at it. And even it might take you visiting three groups until one clicks and you're like, okay, I, I found the group that I click in. And so I'd encourage you to get back in the game with that, to, to let's talk about it, to stay persistent. That We have four groups right now. We're, we're working to try and get six groups. And if all of us are like, yes, like this will be a part of the rhythm of my life, I think we'll probably need about eight groups. And so, so I mean, that's, that's exciting. Like that's, that's amazing. And that's one of our plans too of even church planting is hopefully getting groups going in colo where we see people coming to Jesus. We see that growing. And then we're like, wow, that, we could plant a church in colo. And, and in Baxter, we have groups that are starting to form there and stuff. And so, so being a part of this rhythm, I think will help us in it, to have that vitality and to also have the longevity. And uh, I, the seminary that I went to on the board of directors was Tom Landry, who was the football coach for the Dallas Cowboys for a really long time time. And I heard this so often. It was like a famous saying around the school was Tom Landry, when he spoke about uh, coaching football, he said, my, he said, my job is to get a group of guys to do what they don't like doing so that they can achieve what they've always dreamed of. And that's how he said he approached coaching was like, I'm going to get them to do what they don't like doing to help them achieve what they've always dreamed of. And I see that in our groups even. It's like, man, as we, as we have iron sharpening iron and the sparks are flying at times, and it's like, yes, this is having us achieve what we've always dreamed of, which is actually be known in community to be the body of Christ together. So then the third crucial rhythm is to engage in the weekly church gathering, which is this right here. So Jesus' church has gathered together in person on Sunday each week from the very beginning. It's been a crucial part of the lives of followers of Jesus to be a part of the body of Christ in an area and to not be consistently a part of that. I I talked to, uh, I was friends with some of the pastors of the largest church in America and the church, they stopped advertising their attendance after it surpassed 50,000. So, I mean, this is just a a massive church and they, um, they said that they had all this like analytics, they had people on their staff that just did analytics about the people who come and stuff. And they said, on average, someone comes to church once a month in, in their church gathering, you know. And one of the aspects of that is that I think the design for Jesus for the rhythm of being a part of the weekly gathering is he even gives us the illustration of a body, and it's like if you're the pancreas of our church, which is kind of silly to think about it, but like if you're the pancreas of our church and if it's like you're kind of laying over here for three weeks out of the month, you know, like 
and not getting the nutrients and not, not getting the life that you're connected to, like that's really unhealthy for you and it's really unhealthy for the body to have the pancreas over there, you know, like, like to have us actually together, functioning together. And that's the thing. I think American Christianity is that I'm the person that's, that's doing something right now and you guys are all watching me. That is hogwash. Every single one of us in here is, is as crucial as, as anybody else. We have each been hand-selected the Lord has formed us together in a church so that all parts of the body can function together and we need each other. We need each other in here to be who he's called us to be, function the way that, that we've been called to function. And as we withdraw weekly to be with Jesus, we get the passion, we get the joy, we get the purpose to then engage in our community group and engage in the church gathering once a week. And so one adjustment we're making and is... Uh, kind of in light of all of this, is that we are going to stop our live stream. So, uh, but we're going to stop it on May 30th. Okay, so want to give several weeks for us to have conversations about that and everything. But, but one of the things is that our live stream has been an incredible blessing. So we turned that on 58 weeks ago. So I went back and looked. We turned on our live stream 58 weeks ago the technology it has served us so well to allow us through a pandemic to stay connected. Um, scripture, though, portrays our church gatherings as being in person. Like even Jesus didn't in heaven like say, hey, I'm going to save you guys from here. I'm going to send you the word of God. You know, he actually came in the flesh and dwelt among us. And so, so like incarnational in the flesh ministry is modeled by Jesus, then I think is, is allowing us to be able to, to like follow him in meeting in the flesh together. And uh, technology has been a blessing for not just for church, but technology though can also falsely make us feel like we can be everywhere at the same time. So it's like, yeah, I can be on a beach in Maui and a part of the gathering here at the same time. And it's like, no, like when you're on vacation, be on vacation. Like don't attend a church service. Like be on vacation and just be present where you are with Jesus. Be present there. And then when you come back, it'll be amazing to have you gather with us. If you're sick, it's okay to be sick. Like be home don't feel like you have to join with us online when you're sick. And we'll still have the podcast coming out on Mondays. And so that if you're gone, you can catch up. But there are even Psalms written where David couldn't wait to get back in person to the temple. And he longed to get back to the temple and to be with the people of God. So if you're sick, we want to pray for you. We want to serve you. We want to bring you meals. And then we want to rejoice as you walk into the door and we're able to gather. And I think with the way that, that our spaces are and Principal Grandin and others have worked so have just been so great to work with to allow us to have spaces where we have a lot of room in here. We have a lot of room in Collins. And so for what my hope is, is that we can have conversations where every person feels comfortable to be in this room with us. And so May 30th will be that time. We have people who do our live stream. And it, uh, if you're listening right now and you don't live anywhere in this area, what our heart is, is we want to give time to help connect you with a local church. And so, uh, so we want to, we want to, 
allow that to happen as well. And so, is that okay? We can talk about it too, but May 30th will be when our live stream, and then we'll just really focus on in-person gatherings uh, throughout the summer. Then if there's a blizzard and stuff like that, there may be times that it's like, hey, we're all going online for this week, uh, but our regular gathering will be in-person starting on May 30th. So, that sound okay? All right, should we look to Jesus together? I'm excited look Jesus. Thank you, Scott, for the applause. We are a clappy church today. So. Um, okay, so we're going to look to Jesus together today. And in the book of John, I'm starting to see, and we're starting to see some themes coming up, things that I've never seen before even going through the book of John. But one of the things is that w- what Jesus is highlighting is that that. He is the one that we have all been longing for. Every human being has been longing for Jesus. And Jesus himself is the one that is letting us know this. He is the one, and we have found him. We have found the one that is going to make everything crooked in this world be made right. He is teaching us that he is God, the second person of the Trinity, he, and he is letting us know too in this book for the first five chapters that it is belief that makes the difference. We approach him with our sin and we will walk away from him with our sin if one thing doesn't change, which is we believe that he is the one that takes our sin away if we believe that he is the savior of the world. And that's it. There isn't any other way. It's believing in Jesus, period. If you believe, you have eternal life. If you don't believe, you have eternal separation from God. And he is sharing this with us. He's teaching us this. Even the first five chapters, he's taught enough that if that's all we had, we would know how to follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. And what he's also doing is he teaches us and then he performs miracles. He teaches us, and then he performs miracles. He teaches us, and then he turns water into wine. He teaches us, and then he, he has the interaction with the woman at the well. He teaches us, and then he heals a man. And so we see him teaching, and then we see him doing miracles. And it's like what he's telling us is he's teaching us things that would only be true if he were God. The things he is saying are only going to be true if he's God. Then he performs miracles that could only happen if he is God. So it's like, whoa, you're saying you're God. Whoa, you just did something only God could do. What? You're telling me you're God. Oh, you just did something only God could do. What? And like, like that's what he's doing, literally. That is what he is doing in the book of John, just in the first four chapters. And so now we're in the middle of a section that he has been teaching people who the last, time, the last miracle that we saw since then, the people who saw the miracle are all trying to kill Jesus because they would rather have their own religious system of beliefs than have Jesus actually break into their world and change everything. So we're in the middle of him teaching them and then he's going to do a miracle next week the feeding of the 5,000, to basically say, hey, I've been teaching you this. Now, look at this. Now, I'll teach you more. Look at this. Because he is after us. He's not hiding in the dark. 
he has actually given us a runway that is well lit for us to come home running to him. So we're going to be in chapter 5 of John 30. We will have the verses on the screen. Um, over on the connect table, we have Bibles. If you don't have one, you could grab one and take it with you. We also have these scripture journals. They're really great. Uh, that is just the book of John and every other page is blank. So you can take notes and all that stuff in there. But uh, we're at verse 30 of John chapter 5. Verse 30 says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. As Jesus speaks here, he's letting those rejecting him know that he isn't inventing this message. What he is telling us has been prophesied for centuries. And it is his love to let a world know that he is the one the Father has sent. He's just saying that as clearly as he can say it. And then verse 33, you sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He's saying that to the people on the ground and he's saying that to us right now. I say these things so that you may be saved. Verse 35, speaking about John the Baptist. He was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. The religious leaders of the day, especially at first, they liked John the Baptist. Until he started you know, getting in their business they thought he was a prophet. They were even, like we even see that in scripture, that there were times that they were even afraid to say anything against John the Baptist because they knew that he was a prophet sent from God. So, so for a while, Jesus says they actually rejoiced. And I love how Jesus phrases this. They rejoiced in, look at this, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. That, that the, the flashlight that he turned on, it was like, ooh, I like that. That, that light feels nice. I, they were rejoicing in his light. And John, John the Baptist brought a candle. And Jesus is the light of the world. And they refused to listen to the light. They refused to hear his voice, which means they refused to be saved. And then Jesus continues, verse 36. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, they bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself bore witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. I mean, if you think Jesus is an impassioned person, our, our picture of him is wrong. He is passionately pleading with these people to wake up. Jesus is letting us know. He's letting them know what we learn in other places in Scripture too. It says that no human has ever seen God the Father. No human has ever seen God the Father. Adam and Eve walked with God in the Garden of Eden. They knew they were walking with God in the Garden of Eden, and they were walking with the pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus would come 
born, celebrated on Christmas, 100% man, 100% God. He is active throughout the Old Testament, pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus, even before he came, he wrestled with Jacob. Jacob said he wrestled with God. He knew he was wrestling with his Lord. He knew it. Jesus has been working from the beginning, and people have believed him. People have believed, like Adam and Eve believed, I was just with the Lord in the garden. Jacob was like, I was wrestling all night long and I will limp for the rest of my life joyously because God touched me, humbled me, broke me so that I could follow him for the rest of my life. And now Jesus is speaking with people who pride themselves in following God. And they are wrong. They are flat out wrong about Jesus. And Jesus is letting them know that. Because he loves them. He doesn't want to keep them in ignorance. He wants them to open their eyes. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. Verse 39, he says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me. Like there has to be a time. Look at this. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. He's like, there are people that are like this all the time and be like, oh, I'm looking for life. I'm looking for life. I'm looking for life. I'm looking for life. And they're not realizing that they need to look up and see Jesus there. Like this is telling them, look up. He's right there. Trust him. Believe in him. Give your life to him. And it's like, there are people who are searching the scriptures because they think that in them, they will have eternal life. And as they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Verse 41, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Jesus is saying to this people, who should be giving their lives to Jesus, but instead they want to get rid of him. They're conspiring to kill him. The one that is offering them life, they want to kill. They desire their own theories over Jesus' truth. They want their own intellectual theories over Jesus' clear communication of truth. They claim to be following the writings of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. They claim that they're admiring John the Baptist. They claim to follow God the Father. And Jesus says, you aren't following them. You're not following God. You're not following Moses. He says this because they're pointing to Jesus. They're all pointing to Jesus. God the Father is pointing so like if, if you're like, hey, I'm, I'm following God the Father. You look at the Father and he's like, he's pointing. He's saying, believe Jesus. And then they're like, well, let's see what John the Baptist has to say. They look to John the Baptist and John the Baptist is pointing and saying, believe Jesus. 
How about Moses? Surely Moses has his own Old Testament thing going on, right? They look to Moses, and Moses is pointing, saying, believe Jesus. They look to miracles, and the miracles are pointing and saying, this is him. Who else could do this? They look to Scripture, and Scripture is saying, believe Jesus. And a simple, man, there'll be time. We preach through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we preach through 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we'll, we'll preach through many letters of Scripture that have very practical implications on what marriage looks like, have very practical implications on all aspects of our lives. But the, the central question in John chapter 5 is, do you believe Jesus? You could even potentially intellectually agree with the existence of God the Father. You can intellectually agree with John the Baptist and, and the things John the Baptist did. Uh, you, can, you can really admire Moses and, and, and the aspects of, of, of his life. And you can see them all pointing. But do you follow the direction of their pointing and see Jesus and believe him? Give your life to him. He's the one that is offering salvation to you. Do you truly believe Jesus as your savior? Have you given your life to him? If you don't, what Jesus is saying here is that you are rejecting the father, you're rejecting Moses, you're rejecting John the Baptist, you're rejecting the testimony of the miracles. You are searching for him potentially and refusing to come to him. You'd rather be a skeptic than a saved person. There needs to come a time where you stop studying, you stop looking, and you arrive at the feet of Jesus. And if you do believe, and let me say this too, man, we've had people be a part of this church for a long time, and uh, past churches that I've pastored too, we've had people for years and years were coming and we're just like, hey, I am, I'm listening. I'm listening to the claims of Jesus and who end up giving their lives to Jesus. And we have other people who listen for a really long time and then fade away. And it's like, wow, those people had more access to truth than a lot of other people that I've heard about. And, uh, and they, they rejected it. And, and that, is, that is on them. And Jesus is really bringing this central. And let me say, though, too, is, man, thank God for his grace being the author of your faith if you believe him. Because that took a supernatural work. Like, no one is ever just like, well, you know, I just kind of figured it out. Just started reading one day, I just figured it all out, and I came to Jesus. It's like, no, you, God was working behind the scenes to turn the lights on in your life so that you could see Jesus and believe him. And that is his hand. He, we're even told no one comes to the Father unless they're drawn. That, that they're first drawing. And that's one of the reasons that, that, that we pray so much. We don't know who's coming to Jesus. We don't know who's drawing. And, uh, and that's, I love the saying, is that you pray knowing it depends fully on God. And then we proclaim as if it depends fully on us. Knowing though it depends fully on God. But we don't know who, who he's drawing to himself. And so we're sharing with all that all would be set free. But if you say, I do believe Jesus. What, these words that he's saying, I, I actually believe those. Lord, help my unbelief, grow my belief, but I believe these things. I believe these things about Jesus. I mean, that is worth celebrating. That's worth saying, thank you. 
I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be a, pe- a person who has been set free. I don't deserve to be someone that comes to him and has life. But I come to him and I have life. Thank you, Jesus. And when I see your miracles, it's like, that's what my God does. He's mine. He's my Savior. Jesus' teaching that no one gives their life to him who haven't been first drawn by him. No one comes to the Father unless they're first drawn by him. As you hear John 5, if you have not given your life to Jesus, I I would just ask, do you want to? Do you want to believe in Jesus? And I've heard people pray, God, give me the desire to want to believe in Jesus. (laughs) Like, Give me the want to want to believe in Jesus. If you do, if you desire to believe in Jesus, man, please don't leave here without letting us just come around you and pray. God loves to answer prayers like that. I've been in, Brandon and my mom and others have been in services where they're like, I just started sweating uncontrollably and I couldn't breathe and all this stuff. And it was like, I just knew something is happening here. I don't know what's happening. I need to be here for a little bit while and figure out what's happening. And it's like, oh yeah, he is drawing you to himself and he's making it unmistakably clear that that is happening. Um, Let's not let Jesus say to any of us, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Like that's, that's, that's my prayer against our community is like, God, would it be really hard to get to hell from Collins Maxwell because of how much people are hearing about Jesus, how much a lot of lies are being pushed aside and how the clarity and would Jesus not say, hey, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. It's like, hey, you came to me and you have life. I give you life. My death bought you life. Come to him and have life. And that could be as easy as just saying, Jesus, I give my life to you. I come to you. And I look forward to growing in you and learning more about you. And man, the freedom that that brings in each of us. And for us to thank God that, uh, that, that many of us do believe Jesus and, uh, and he, has, he has won us over and rescued us in amazing ways, and he'll do that for you too. Lord, I just thank you for, for your word. I thank you for your power in our lives. And Jesus, you just boiled this chapter just so singularly focused into everyone pointing at you, saying, believe in him and you will have everlasting life, saving us from our sin, removing our sin as far as the east is from the west, the penalty of our sin, death. Thank you that you are alive and well as we worship. We're truly, we're we're not just singing to the air that we are worshiping a living person that we will see face to face. And Lord, I just thank you for that. Would you do your work in this place, whatever you're doing individually in each of our lives? Some... We just need to rejoice in our salvation. We've added a whole bunch of stuff that maybe you haven't even added to what it looks like to follow you. And would you just give us the simple joy today of rejoicing in our salvation? Those who you are drawing to yourself, Lord, would they come home running even right now? Jesus, thank you. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Uh, His idea is communion, a way to commune with him. As he says, I will do this with you in person one day. 
Until then, do it together as the body of Christ as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And so uh, we have wine and juice. Obey your conscience there. We have a cup within a cup. So just grab one cup. And then if you separate them, the, the bread is underneath. And the way that we do it here is that, that uh, what I would encourage believers in the room to do is uh, don't rush to the table. There's warnings in scripture to come too quickly. Give a little bit of time to allow the Lord to search you. Uh, then, uh, then, But let's come and, and come come boldly to the table. If you're not at this time a follower of Jesus, what I would encourage you to do is don't come to the table, come to Jesus. Or even I'll be standing over here if you want to just uh, connect and, and we, can, we can chat about that a little bit. We can pray about that a little bit. Um, but let's spend some time and then let's come. And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll take the elements, go back to our seats, and then we'll remain standing and take it together as family. So let's respond.